I'm excited about this sermon. I'm excited about what God is going to give us this morning. Um, if you want to go ahead and have your Bibles ready, turn to Matthew chapter 2. That's what we're going to read this morning. But as we get ready to dive into everything that's going on, I have a video I want you all to watch this morning. Okay? This is a video from, um, this is the children at Southland Christian Church. In this video, these children tell us the story of the nativity. Okay? I want you to see this. It's hilarious. I love it. It's okay to laugh in church, right? Come on, somebody. Church is fun. It should be fun, all right? So I'm going to move this just out of the way of hair. That way, hopefully, everybody can see this. Let's watch this video together uh, as we get ready to... Go ahead, Brother Jordan. Thank you. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have... What? I can't good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem. Ham, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place and here in Bethlehem, that that you can stay stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way, and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, "A new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews." The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably because the room is very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. 
Okay, so I could quit right now, and uh, we could take up an offering and go home. And you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I love this. I love this. But how many people knows there's some inaccuracies? <laughs> about some of the things that were told uh, by these children. And um, the thing is, is that I personally struggle very, very much during this season. I kind of, believe it or not, some of you all may know this, some of you may not, I can turn into a Scrooge pretty quick. Um, not because I don't love the, the holiday season, not because I don't love Jesus. I just get overwhelmed with all of the commercialism, all of the... Americanized Bible story telling. I mean, these kids thought that uh, they brought gold Frankenstein and myrrh. You know, like it's just there's, and I understand it's just a misunderstanding for their knowledge. But however, there are a lot of people, all they know about the Christmas story is what they have seen and what they have heard through this particular season. Come on, somebody, right? And I want us to know this morning that I, I personally, I struggle with it because I want to look at it and, and I want to be like, wrong, bah humbug, you know, wrong, wrong. And I just want to like, wrong, you know, and, and that's not a good spirit to obviously have especially this time of year. Why? Because this is a moment of joy. It's a moment of peace. You know, we're overwhelmed with, uh, with eggnog and, and uh, Christmas festivities and mistletoe and all that other stuff. Some of this stuff will get you in trouble if you, ain't, <laughs> if you ain't careful. But the truth is, is that we miss the point of what is going on at this time of year. Now, I want to go ahead and preface this sermon by saying... Jesus was not born in December. Let's mark that off. Okay, some of us already need to know that. But we celebrate it because at a point in time there was pagan holidays that took place during this time and Christians wanted to combat pagan holidays. Up to this point we only celebrated Easter. You know, the return and the, the rising of Christ and the leaving of Christ, the ascending into heaven. But they, Christians, they wanted to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so we decided, okay, December 25th is a great time because there's already other holidays going on there. So let's combat that and give Christ his birthday on December 25th because we don't necessarily really know when he was born. But how many people are thankful that we do know he was born and that he came? Amen. So the day doesn't really bother me that we celebrate it. However, we turn it into things sometimes that it's not. And you might hear me say something this morning that you've, this is completely against whatever you've been taught. Hopefully, I can back it up with scripture and we can move forward. But uh, I, I don't like just doing things for the sake of doing things. Y'all ever seen somebody who does that? I got a funny story real quick. And if you've been here at any length of time, you've heard me tell this story probably seven times. But there was a young couple who had just previously gotten married and it was holiday season and she wanted to cook the family recipe ham. And she was so excited. She goes and she buys the ham, brings it home, puts it on her pan, and she cuts it on both sides. And the husband said, why did you cut the ham on both sides? Well, that's what my mom had always done. It's part of the recipe, you gotta cut it on both sides. He's like, that's foolish, you don't have to cut it on both sides. So she calls her mom, mom, 
why do we cut the ham on both sides? I know there's got to be some kind of reason that we do it. And she said, well, honey, the reason I've always cut it on both sides is because my mom cut it on both sides. So what did they do? They picked up the phone. They called Grandma. Grandma, I'm making the family ham, and I've got all the recipes and the ingredients right here in front of me. I'm reading it. We cut the ham on both sides. Why do we do that? And she said, honey, the only reason I ever cut the ham on both sides is I didn't have a pan big enough to put it in. So the truth is, is there's times that we do things or we repeat things just because we have seen it done, right? We have came into a place where we have taken Christmas and made it one thing that it's not necessarily supposed to be. We've Americanized it. We have commercialized it. And I'm not going to harp on that this morning. I'm not going to be one of those preachers who's like, don't enjoy Christmas other than just getting up and singing you know, to Jesus and reading the Bible. But I do want to bring it back around. If I went around the room this morning and I asked you, what is Christmas all about? There's no doubt in my mind that every single person in this room will say, well, Pastor Joe, Christmas is about Jesus. It's about the birth of Christ and him coming to the earth. I have no doubt that all of us would say that. But in reality, I love Jesus. I love the fact that he was born. But you know who else I love? Me. You know what else I love? Getting gifts. Come on, somebody. If you're a teenager or you have been a teenager in this room, that should cover everybody. There was a point in your life where you woke up on Christmas and you were excited, not because Jesus was born, but because you had presents you were going to open here in about an hour or so, right? And so the truth is, and you may have been enriched. Let me just, let me say this too. You may have grew up in a family that was enriched in sharing the gospel throughout the message of Christmas, but for the majority of people, that didn't happen. And so we have a, a place, you know, where we, we've come to a mindset where we have turned this event into an opportunity to be about us and about our families, right? About us and about our families. We love gifts. We love food. We love friends. We love gathering. You know, and all of us are up in arms this year because we're try people are trying to tell us, you can't gather, you can't get together, you can't do this, you can't do that. And some people are like, watch me. And then other people are like, cash me outside, how about that? You know what I'm saying? And the truth is, is that we have people who are defensive because that's what their Christmas season really is all about, is getting together, spending time together, eating food, giving gifts, receiving gifts. Listen to me when I say there's nothing wrong with that. But I do want to preface this and make this very, very clear. That is not what this is about. That's not what this season's about. Right? And so... I just want to break it open a little bit more and show you how far out of the loop we've gotten. In 2019, there was a total of 32.8 million real Christmas trees that were bought. 32.8 million trees were cut down so they could be placed inside somebody's house. Wow. <laughs> and what happens whenever we're done with those? We throw them out, right? Most of the time they're burnt. If you're any, any uh, good at fishing, you take it to the lake bottom somewhere and set you up a, a nice little fishing hole, right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So there you go. If you've got a tree that you got that's real and you don't know what to do with it after, after it's over with, take it to the lake bottom and make yourself a good fishing hole, okay? But the truth is, is 32.8 million trees were bought. 46% of people that were, that were questioned have lied 
about liking a Christmas gift. 46% of people, that's nearly half the people that were questioned, said, yeah, I lied about liking that gift. Come on, how many people in the room would be honest this morning and say, I've lied about liking a Christmas gift. Okay, every one of y'all need to come to the altar whenever I give the altar call because you need to repent. No, <laughs> so, but that's just a wild statistic. How crazy is it that we have to look at our friends and be like, oh, thank you. Because that's what we've turned this into. How wild is that? How wild is that that we have to think that? 47.4% of women want jewelry for Christmas. Not my wife. Well, she might. She hasn't said nothing about it, though. Anyway, 32.3% of men want gift vouchers for Christmas. Why? Because we would much rather get it ourselves, I guess. I don't know. You know? How many, how many guys in here would be okay with getting a Bass Pro gift card? Yeah, see what I'm saying? Almost every single one of us. And so we would, why? Because we can go get what we want and not be subjectified to what you get us. How wild is that? <laughs> you know? All right. Number five, holiday retail sales. Listen to this. Mind-blowing. Holiday retail sales in 2018, it surpassed $1 trillion dollars in 2018 listen it gets better in 2019 that percentage increased by 4.5 percent our priorities are askew which means they're not straight they're not in the right spot why because if we're spending that much money to give gifts to people we don't even really like sometimes because that's what we've always done that's what we do our kids wake you know I ask I ask my son what do you want for Christmas and he'll he'll give me a couple things thank God he's not one of these wanty needy kind of kids but he'll give me a couple of things but the truth is is there's some kids who will look and they'll say I want this 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 and this and they list off this thing and parents will go into debt and destroy their financial income to give them. Pastor Joe, what are you getting to? I'm getting to the point that we are mixed in our understanding of why we celebrate what we celebrate. As we saw in the video, one of my favorite lines was, they brought him gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. <laughs> and that cracked me up. And the reason why it cracks me up is they showed a visual of three wise men one had gold, one had a little Frankenstein doll, and the other had myrrh. And that's something else that we have adapted to being truth that's not necessarily true. There's, there was more than three wise men. These were men that were called magi. And this is what we're getting into this morning. If you hadn't realized, the sermon of the title is, but wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> I love a good opportunity for a dad joke. But wait, there's myrrh. And whenever, whenever I get into this, it's not going to be as corny as you think it is. But the truth is, is that we have ad adapted and believed for years that there were only three wise men. Why? Because they only brought three gifts. But the truth is, is that these wise men were wise because they were astronomers. They were also known as stargazers, but they were called magi. And the word magi is where we get our word magic or magician from. They would watch the stars and they would study the skies. That's how they knew that a new star had appeared. 
Think about it. How else would an average person realize that a new star had appeared? There are stars that form and stars that burn out every day, but we don't ever notice them. Why? Because we don't study the skies. But these wise men brought gifts to Jesus. And we're going to read in this passage. So it's Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jordan, they should be back there ready to go for you, brother. And I will read. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We're going to throw it up here on the screen because God blessed us with awesome technology. Here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or as we call them, wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star when it rose and have came to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all these people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6. But you... Bethlehem and the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. Hang out right there real quick. Go back to verse 6. I want This kind of shifted when we read it, right? It was like we're reading this and then it, boom, became weird. What happened is, is right here they are, they are quoting the prophet Isaiah and where he said that, and this is the prophecy, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd the people of Israel. This was prophesied over 400 years before Jesus ever came. Next, next line. And then we'll, we'll progress forward. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time this star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, and that I may go and worship him too. Verse number 9, we only got a couple more verses, hang out. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 11, On coming into the house, time out, did you catch that? On coming into the what? House. Where was Jesus born? A stable. A barn. He wasn't born in a house. Was he? Some of y'all are looking. What does this mean? This means that there was a period of time from the moment that Jesus was born until they found him that they relocated to a house. See, our, our storytelling has told us that the wise men and the shepherds all showed up on the same night. Not true. We can open that up and look at it. See, and some of y'all are looking at me like, I've never heard that before. This is heresy. I'm never coming back to this church. <laughs> no, but truth is, it's right there. Read it. On coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Go back if you don't care. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented with him gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Last one. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So, the wise men, these magi, it took them some time to get there. Come on, somebody. And so the, the family had relocated to a house. Here is what I'm so excited about talking about this morning. These three gifts have a meaning that a lot of people don't know. The Magi brought these gifts, and I don't even think the Magi knew what they were saying when they brought them. Because in that culture, gold was worth a lot of money, frankincense was worth a lot of money, and myrrh was worth a lot of money, but these have an implication that will lay out a prophetic trail for who Jesus was meant to be. And I can't wait to share this with you because, like I said, last night around 10.30, I was ready to run around my kitchen because I was so pumped up about what this message is going to bring this morning. But the truth is, is they brought him these gifts. Gift number one, okay, the gold. What did that gold do? What did it represent? We all know gold, right? How many people, may, you maybe have a, a gold ring around your finger or some gold on your neck or something like that. Why? Because we like the bling, right? We want to look good. And gold costs what? Money. Gold was it, what? Expensive. And here's the thing. In that particular time, people who had gold were royalty or have been blessed by royalty. What am I trying to say? The gold that they had given Jesus was a representation of the kingship of Jesus. The kingship of Jesus. If you're a note taker, write this down in John chapter 18. You can go back and look at it later. But there was a conversation that took place between Jesus and a guy named Pilate. Y'all ever heard of Pilate? Right? Well, Pilate looks at Jesus and he makes this claim. He said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus looks at him and says, as you say. As you say. Now, this is what's going on here. Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. And Pilate was asking him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you really? Because, you know, I have the power to crucify you or not. And Jesus said, I, what you say I am. I am. And even at birth, listen to this, Jesus was thrusted into his kingship and pointed at for his kingship with a gift as small as gold. With a gift as small as gold. Ain't that wild to think about? That God wanted to strategically gift Jesus' parents gifts that were going to represent who he was and what he was here to do. Some of us just think it was a really cool gift. Gold, Frankenstein, and Murray, right? Come on. And so, but the truth is, is there's much deeper revelation to this. Much deeper revelation to this. And we read in the prophecy, just, if you wouldn't care to go back to verse number six, I believe is what it was, Jordan. I want to show you this right here, this prophecy that was given in verse number six. Boom. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. What is a ruler? A king. Someone, what is a king? He has authority. What is a king? He has power. What is a king? He has the ability to, to command things into existence or to keep things from happening. He was given the authority to shepherd the people of Israel, the king of what? The Jews. 
Some of you all may have already known this. For some of you, this may be new revelation. For me, it's, it's just a joy to be able to, to open this and crack this open. This all came full circle at one particular point in Jesus' life. All of this, the gold and him being thrust into kingship. And that moment was when he was hanging on the cross at Calvary. They nailed a sign above his head that said what? King of the Jews. Three astronomers walked into a building and laid a gift at his feet. And what did it do? It told us he is a king. He is a leader. He is an authority. And where did we see it all come full circle? At the cross. Mind blown. <laughs> I don't know if you all are blown away by that, but it blows my mind. Gift number one was gold. Gift number two was frankincense. Now, if you know anything about frankincense, it comes from a plant. And what happens is, is they'll cut open this plant and the, the sap, what we call sap, begins to ooze out. And it sets up and it hardens. And about a week later, they'll come back and they'll collect that frankincense, that sap or that resin off of that plant. And they will sell it for lots and lots of money. Come on, somebody. You know, back then it was a big thing that had to be imported in. Right now you can get on your phone on Amazon and order all the frankincense you want and it's going to be sent to your door probably before Christmas because FedEx and UPS are on the overhaul right now. Okay? But the truth is, is that back then FedEx and UPS didn't happen, right? And so they, they, would, they would send it in with big shipments, but it cost a lot of money. It costs a lot of money. Matter of fact, you were able to tell people how much money you were worth because when you died, they would burn frankincense at your death. It's an incense kind of a smell. And it would raise up a big cloud of smoke. And what they would do is it would show and it would cover up the smell of death, right? So, let me back all this up because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But the frankincense represented sacrifice. The gold represented his kingship. The frankincense represented the sacrifice. See, frankincense was used in the Old Testament when sacrifices were made in the temple. And when sacrifices were made in the temple, what would they do? They would take goats or what have you, what kind of sacrifice it was, and they would burn these sacrifices, and they would also place frankincense inside of that sacrifice. Why? Because they believed that that smell would literally go to the nose of the Lord. And it would be a good, pleasing... Have you all ever heard that? Let it be a, a, a good, pleasing odor to you, Lord. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. Some of y'all are probably thinking, no, that's kind of weird sounding. It is a little weird if you don't know what's going on. But the truth is, is that's what they would do. In John 2 and 19, Jesus looks at some people and he makes this statement, okay? He was teaching and he was preaching and he said, I will destroy the temple in three days. I will what? Raise it again. Now, we know that he wasn't talking about the physical temple. He was talking about his what? His body. He was talking about he himself. And the temple is where what would happen? Sacrifices. Sacrifices would take place in the temple. Here's the thing. Here's what Jesus 
was saying in that passage of Scripture. And here's what frankincense represents to us this morning, is that there was going to need to be a sacrifice made in order for us to be forgiven of our sins. He was the Lamb that was slain for the, for the sins of the world. And that is us. And that sacrifice was made on that cross so we could have life and have it, what, more abundantly? And how many people would have ever imagined that on the day that He was, or whenever they came to worship Him, that they brought gifts to Him, and one of those gifts was saying, He's a King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of the Jews. And the next one said, but He's also going to be the sacrifice for the world. He's also going to be everything that the world needs. He's also going to be everything to get rid of sin. He is that sacrifice. He is that temple. And whenever He's laid down, He will be what? Raised again. Mind-blowing, ain't it? To stop and just think, holy cow! To know that I've known about frankincense and gold and myrrh this whole time and I've never knew that it was pointing prophetically to Jesus' life and His mission for being here and His reason for being here. Crazy, ain't it? But wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> but wait, there's myrrh. This is more than just a play on words. I want you to hear this. This right here is where I about lost my gourd last night. I was just, you know, running around. It's just awesome. It's more than just a play on words. It's actually a reminder of the importance of the myrrh. It's a reminder of the importance of the myrrh. And I want to make this statement. The mystery, and I want you to remember this. Hopefully moving forward, you'll never have another Christmas without this statement ringing in your heart and in your ear. The mystery of Jesus is in the myrrh. The mystery of Jesus is in the myrrh. What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? Here's what I mean. If I can find my points. You see, if Jesus had come to earth and we called Him Lord and we called Him King, that would have been fine and good. If Jesus would have come to the earth and died on the cross and gave His life as a sacrifice, that would have been fine and good. But what seals the deal? It was Him raising from the dead. What do you mean? There are many people who have gods and those gods are in the ground. Buddha, dead. Allah, dead. Nietzsche, dead. Hitler, dead. All kinds of people with power and authority who have ruled from thrones and reigned from temples are dead and gone. People who claim to be gods are dead and gone. And what separates Jesus from them is one simple thing. 
the myrrh. Pastor Joe, you keep saying that, but what does it mean? Here's what is pretty cool about the myrrh. What has the myrrh got to do with it? Well, see, myrrh, just like frankincense, was a resin that they turned into an oil. Oh, man, this is so good. That they used to preserve the bodies of the dead. Why? Why did they do that? Because it offered up a sweet smell and it would keep the body from smelling like what? Death. It was trying to prolong the inevitable of what death does and that makes us what? Decay. And they would come and once you were dead, they would come months after you died to wrap you in new cloths and, and give you new ointments and give you new oils so you wouldn't stink. Remember whenever Lazarus died and Jesus showed up days later? And they were like, go to the tomb. But Lord, he stinketh. They knew that the process, we, you know, okay, he stinks, but we're going to do it. Because why? They knew the ritualistics of taking care of of dead bodies. I'm getting ready to take us somewhere. I'm so excited. Okay. Here's the thing. There was a time when Jesus died, right? The Bible said that the, that the disciples had closed themselves away because they were in fear of what the, the Roman people were going to do to them because they were simply followers of Jesus. But thank God that there was somebody named Mary and Mary of Magdalene that was going to anoint Jesus' body with what? Spices, which was what? Myrrh. Why? Because when they came to the throne, not the throne, but when they came to the tomb that day, what did they find? They found an empty grave. Come on, somebody. They found an empty grave. And that gift, let me just read it to you, Mark 16 and 1. When Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and of Salome brought spices so they might anoint Jesus' body. If it wasn't for the myrrh, we wouldn't know the resurrection like we know the resurrection. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I've never heard this before. Me either, but it's so awesome. <laughs> because the truth is, is that they came to the tomb. And the Bible says that Jesus was there. And he said, why seek you the living among the dead? Go and tell my disciples. What does that mean? That was the very first time anybody was ever commissioned to go share the gospel. And what is the gospel? Jesus coming, Jesus dying, and Jesus rising from the dead. Come on, somebody. And had it not been for the myrrh, had it not been for the anointing of the body, that account never would have happened, and we would have had to have had it some kind of way. And here's something else that I want to share with you this morning. Mary and the other Mary who they call Martha never went to the tomb anticipating to see a live person. They went to the tomb anticipating to find a dead Jesus. 
But come on, somebody. How many people know that He's alive and He's on the throne and He is above all and He is all? And had it not been for the murder, they would not have realized that He was alive. And the first commission of the gospel would not have been mentioned. He is alive. And the truth is, that's where the mystery lies. The mystery of Jesus lies in the resurrection. Why? Because we can talk about His birth all day. Praise the Lord He was born. Praise the Lord that He came. Praise the Lord that He healed people. Praise the Lord that He delivered people. Praise the Lord that He restored people. But had He not rose from the grave on the third day, why was the third day important? How many, uh, you may know this, you may not know this, but in Jewish customs and Jewish rituals, they didn't think that the, body, the Spirit left the body until days after they were put in the ground. So why the third day? He wanted to prove to him he was dead. But thank God somebody had a need for some myrrh to come and anoint a body that they thought was still there. But when they got there, they realized he wasn't. How crazy is it to think that three simple gifts from wise men would point us to the kingship of the Lord, your King of kings, your Lord of lords. You are the greatest. There's nobody like you. Man, what a declaration to declare. He is King of kings. What about this? Is that the fact that He is a sacrifice. He's a sacrifice for sin for you and me. There's nothing I can do to be in right standing with God, but Jesus came and He died so I could be in right standing with Him. And that simple gift of frankincense said, hey, He is our sacrifice. He is the one who stands in our place. But wait! That's not all. There's more. There's myrrh. Come on. And without the myrrh, we wouldn't have a resurrected Jesus. We wouldn't know the story of the resurrection of Jesus. We wouldn't understand it the way we understand it this morning. Thank God that He gave us an insight this morning that there's three simple gifts that points to the completion. That's what that is. You're a king. You're above all. You're the sacrifice. But not only are you the sacrifice, you're the completion. Come on, somebody. There's nothing we have to do to stay in good standings with the Lord. Except just believe that He... What does Romans 10.9 tell us? Romans 10.9 says if you confess with your heart and you believe that Christ died on the cross and the Lord what raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Come on, how many people are thankful for the murder this morning? Thank you, Jesus. How do we escape that commercialized an Americanized mindset of, of Christmas. How do we escape it? We remember the myrrh. We remember the myrrh, the greatest gift that was ever given to us. How many people would be mad if you was only given half of a gift? You know, that's kind of like men whenever your wife buys something from Ikea. She sends you a picture of this thing that's all put together. That's awesome. Yes, that looks nice. Bring that home, honey. And then when you get it home, there's a little tiny box this big. What's that? That's the thing from Ikea. You know? But thank God that the greatest gift that was ever given to us, there was no assembly required. Come on. It took nothing from us. It's just saying, okay, I'll take it. All right, I want it. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. The resurrection solidified 
the gift of Christ by overcoming the grave. The first bearer of the gospel was Mary. I want to share that with you. And I'm going to make a declaration from this pulpit. I don't see anything wrong with women declaring the gospel of the Lord. Why? Because the very first lady was the one who declared the gospel of the Lord was Mary. But this season is so much more than gifts. This, season's, this season is so much more than eggnog or fruit punch or hams or turkeys or roast beast as the Grinch would tell it. It's much, much more. It's about a God who's a king. It's about a God who's a sacrifice. And it's about a God who's an overcomer. And because of those things, that's the reason we celebrate. That's the reason we are able to stand here and say, I'm free from sin. I'm free from hell. And I'm free to give my life and my praise to the Lord. I challenge you this morning. This season's much more about sharing the news of Christ. This Christmas, we remember the myrrh. This Christmas, we remember the myrrh. Next Christmas, we remember the myrrh. The Christmas after that, we remember the myrrh. And when someone asks you, what would you get for Christmas? I got the gift of the myrrh. What does that mean? He gave His life and He rose again so I could have life and have it more abundantly. That's the best gift. That's the best gift. You know, I've realized, and, and I thought about this, this on, on the way over here this morning, and I'm getting ready to shut down. Is people have a hard time sharing the gospel because their experience has often been forgot about. What do you mean, Pastor Joe? A lot of people think sharing the gospel is this. Will you come to my church? We have an awesome Bible that gives us all these rules and regulations and we can't do anything other than what's in that scripture. Amen. That's not the gospel. That's religion. Would you rather go to that kind of church or go to a church where someone looks at you and says, Man... I was a raging, alcoholic, drug-addicted, pornographic, twisted-minded, ignorant something or another. <laughs> but I prayed a prayer one day, and Jesus came into my life. And I've not been the same since. Now tell me. Which of the two would you be more apt to go visit? I'm picking B for 300, Alex. Because the truth is, is I don't want your rules. I don't want your regulations. I want that freedom that you talk about. I want that gift that you talk about. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit up here and say that there are things in Scripture that we should follow. That there are things that we, we do need that scripture to lead us and guide us into greater understanding. However, comma, there is a time and a place for that to come. But the gift of Jesus is what we need to be sharing. And I want to encourage you this morning, for the remainder of this Christmas season, remember that time that you encountered Jesus for the first time. Remember that time that you were lost and broken and wretched and no one even liked you, not even you. But you came to the Lord and then from that point you became somebody else. That's the person. That's the thing that's going to draw people to the Lord. I challenge you this morning. I know that our priorities are a little out of whack. And again, I'm not saying that 
gifts and eggnog and all this stuff is bad things. Those are great things, but they come secondary to the cross. And they come secondary to Jesus. And they come secondary to what He gave us as gifts. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. Let's throw away the commercialized rhetoric. Let's throw away the Americanized Christianity. And let's embrace the message of the gospel that a king left his throne to come be a sacrifice and he didn't do a halfway job. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff this morning. That's good stuff this morning. If you would and you're willing, would you bow your head with me? And we can ask God to do something real quick. I want to be, uh, I want to act super spiritual for a second and just say, hey, I know there's people in the room. I felt the Holy Spirit here this morning. I don't know if you have, but maybe you're in the room and you say, Pastor Joe, you know what? I, some of my priorities are out of whack. I've not thought of things the way I should, and I want to just move forward from there. Would you raise your hand this morning? Hands up. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that honesty. Thank you for that. Maybe you're in this room and you say, Pastor Joe, I did not realize that he was a gift and everything that God offered us. And I want to make a statement this morning and say, I need Jesus in my life. Would you raise your hand this morning if you would say that you don't have that relationship, but you want that relationship this morning? I see that hand. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not where I need to be, but I know that the Lord is good and I, I want to get back to that place. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see that. I see that. I'm just going to take a second and invite you to come. Maybe you're, I, I just want to invite you to come. I'm not going to come and, I'm not going to bother you. If you want to come and pray and just lay that down before the Lord this morning, I'll give you just a few, time, a few seconds to do that. The Lord wants to hear from you, I believe it. This is a no judgment zone. You can come lay whatever it is at the foot of the cross here at this altar. And ain't nobody going to say anything to you or about you. I promise that. I promise that. Lord, right now, we just thank you for your gift. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your kingship. We thank you for your sacrifice, God. But Lord, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for the resurrection and we thank you for the myrrh, God. Thank you so much. We give you honor this morning, Lord. Remind us, God. Lead us closer to you. Let us be greater, greater men and women of God. Lord, and we give you honor and we give you glory. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hopefully you enjoyed the message this morning. I enjoyed preaching. The truth is, is that God wants to.